It is Saturday again, it's late at night, but we're here and we bring you games. Woohoo! I'm here, Guido is here. Hello there. And Diego is here. Hello everyone. Good evening, good morning, good night, uh, whatever. Here in Finland it looks almost the same all the time now, since we are close to the midsummer. Nice. Just blue, just blue skies. Blistering <sighs> hot. Yeah, I think I can mostly tell what hours it is of the day based on the mosquito activities rather than sunlight. <laughs> so, yeah, when I was there, I remember it was it was always light as it was dusk, even in th at 3 a.m. in the morning. Is it still like that now or is it even more lighter? I think it's even more because if I remember right, you visited here already in August or something like that. Mm, I don't remember anymore. That was years ago. Mm. Mm. But yes, of course, around uh, midsummer. So, when let's say it depends on, of course, what is your latitude. But even here in the south, it's uh, pretty clear almost all day long. Let's say about maybe about one a.m. Okay, you can tell this is darker than the rest. But uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Insane. Can you have a midnight barbecue? Sure, why not? That's awesome. Like, like, a, <laughs> that's so that's so fun. I I, 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 I assume there is rules about uh, when to make noises outside and stuff. Yeah. Yes. And also, um, because now it's pretty hot, you might also want to check the warnings about fires. So it might be that on some days you can't lit a fire at all for safety reasons. Mm. And it's been pretty hot. I think we are almost at 30 degrees by now. Th same That's here. Not hot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people who are listening now is like, they are like, "That's not hot." <laughs> no, but it's not hot by Italian standards for sure. So no. you know, <laughs> but it's definitely not standard here. No. Right, um, guys. Any updates? Well, not much from me really. I had a nice sports day recently mm -hmm. with all my workmates i i love it when they organize this kind of thing usually it's just one once or twice a year so we all get together and there's lots of activities you can choose your sports there were really many and well for the record i just picked wall climbing and fat bike in the, the forest oh. oh no wall climbing don't Is do it, it man. <laughs> Have you tried it? <laughs> yeah, last year I broke my foot because of yeah, the walk yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> I did get hurt a little bit. My, uh. my right hand, I think I did some wrong movement at some point. I didn't get any instructions at all. And um, I have been doing it with my kids in some place that's more like family friendly. So the walls are quite more diverse and more fun to climb but, but this one was a little bit more professional and maybe i assumed too much about how to do it and then i apparently got punished for that i know there are some places which have for example different walls uh, like easy so let's say in different uh, grades of difficulty so you can move your 
self onto a wall that is suitable for your skills, if that makes sense? There were definitely differences, but not something that you could tell just by looking at the wall. Mm. Like the walls were okay, different colors, but that didn't tell you really anything. They all, all have these bolted pieces of plastic, I suppose, or some yeah, special yeah, material, yeah. which you can grab with your hands or where you can put your foot, but you can't really tell. But then there were indications on which ones were harder or easier. Mm, and yeah. also, yeah, typically, and most of the time, most of the time, the colors uh, are indicating indicating the skill of the uh, of the climb. So uh, there's even apps for that where you can register. Uh, what climbs you already did and uh, what skill level that is. So there's, there's a whole whole thing about it. But um, yeah, uh, so, <laughs> but you didn't see anywhere what color was what. No, there was a, a, there were some indications, but the colors weren't exactly consistent between the different walls, so to speak. So there were additional indications. And I don't know if it's always the case, but uh, every wall had two colors elements. And then at the bottom, it was an indication of what was the difficulty from, I think, one to five of each one of the two colors. And uh, But of course, when you climb, you're going to use a little bit of both. I don't think you can just use the handles of one color only because that, that means they're no, quite far that's away. That's the idea. That's, that's the idea to use only one color. Uh, but, uh, well, at least... <laughs> Normally, that's the idea. I know I couldn't reach... Uh, definitely some some of those if I wanted to stick with one color only. I tried to use a little bit of both <laughs> and take smaller steps upwards, perhaps. And sometimes there's also a color mixed in. Uh, I think it's gray. That's the like the, the color if you want to get back down. That's the, like the safety uh, steps. So uh, you can use that to safety climb down oh, okay use any means necessary to get up use teeth anything just <laughs> <laughs> no matter what what well if you watch that sport on uh, on tv uh, when professional professionals do it that, that really looks like spider-man people were like yeah. jumping from one to another and using only their fingernails to get up and it's My really God. crazy <laughs> <laughs> climb with the toes yeah, it's really crazy. Well, at least I have a friend that's uh, very interested in this sport. And he just recently told me that the Japanese are particularly good at this for some reason. It might be that it's popular heard. or they find it for some reason more natural for them, especially the, the women okay. athletes, that they can do incredible things like uh, splits or something to reach. Uh, very far oh handles God. with the legs or that's yeah. crazy that's crazy <laughs> i still Not have a question though um sorry um just in regards to the time and the sun being always out do the animals know when to go to bed or well, the, I, know I suppose the, yeah i don't know do you see like chickens or something out or pigeons flying at 3 a.m or something well the birds seem to be more active during the night but i think that's uh, <laughs> Also the same that I remember from Italy. Yeah. Uh, at least there's a lot more noise. Uh, otherwise, I don't usually see chickens around here, but I see lots of <laughs> hares. And uh, the hares are... No, they, I see them sleeping in 
night hour, so to speak. Okay, that's they cool. Often you... come to our back garden and sleep there. That, that must be a really incredible experience to have, like on a on a daily basis. And does it ever get boring or annoy you that it's always light? No, because I have a very strange sleeping pattern. Apparently, well, essentially, okay. when I want to sleep, I just fall asleep. Oh, I just tell myself cool. sleep. I lie down, close my eyes, and I sleep. It doesn't matter if I am in the middle of uh, splendid sunshine or probably even in the middle of a highway. Or a dungeon. (laughs) But uh, a lot of people here in Finland, including, for example, my wife, they really want dark to sleep. So we have heavy curtains on the windows and we close everything when, when it's summer. Yeah. Same for me. Same for me. We did you have anything to to add to our Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I've been I've been uh, doing some home improvement again. <laughs> Last oh time. my god. That was a good story. Uh, so yeah. I've got Every- uh, something for you guys now. <laughs> that oven was a success. Everyone wants it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, the oven was a success, but uh this story uh isn't that successful. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> So um, uh, at the attic where I'm normally sitting to record this, and now I'm downstairs, mm-hmm. uh, because the attic is a mess now, it's always <laughs> blistering hot there because there is no insulation in the in the uh, in the in dormer. The wall. I don't know in the wall or in the roof. Yeah, but in the in the roof. Yeah, there's, we have like a dormer in the roof, so it's like a extension of the of the roof. So a little of a flat uh, yeah. part on the scoot roof. And uh, that that's the only part in our house which isn't insulated. So um, what happens is uh, in the uh, summer when it's hot, uh, all humidity goes there. And then we get a lot of uh, wet plasterboard, uh, which, which in, is mm. on the ceiling there. So that's a huge problem. And it's also super hot because it's like the sun is directly on it. What's and the temperature the there? Summer, it's probably 40 degrees there now my goodness <laughs> it's crazy me. and yeah. uh in the winter it's always super cold it's, it's just like sitting outside when you're there so uh we had to do something about it so we thought my wife and i thought let's insulate it so um by yourselves yeah um, oh wow we do so, handyman <laughs> yeah oh wow it. yeah <laughs> but um Normally, you, when you have like the roof, uh, there's a, a piece of plasterboard under there, and there's a little air in between the roof and the plasterboard. And in that in that pocket of air, you can put insulation. So I thought, okay, uh, let's remove the plasterboard and put insulation uh, insulation then there and uh, put new plasterboard there. But uh, so I thought, okay, let's grab my power grill and make a huge hole in the plasterboard to get everything out. So <laughs> Doesn't sound you have like some, some leverage to, to, to pull everything down. But the problem is this house is built differently, apparently. Mm-hmm. And the plasterboard was directly attached to the roof. So <laughs> sorry, I made a huge uh, hole in the, in the roof. <laughs> I considerably could see outside. So <laughs> Oh my God. I destroyed the roof, 
luckily it's not raining at any moment now so uh, probably next week it doesn't either so hopefully we can find someone who can fix the roof <laughs> now <laughs> but i want to see you as, explain as soon as that. i saw saw the sky <laughs> I, I dropped everything <laughs> i left out loud like <laughs> but five minutes later i thought Oh crap! <laughs> what now? <laughs> what do I have to do now? <laughs> I have a hole in my roof. <laughs> so, Excuse me. So, um, so th- this uh, we have to mend this, and the guy's gonna ask you, "Well, how did that happen?" And you're like, mm, <laughs> "Well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I power drilled to the ceiling." <laughs> my God. Yeah, it's a little silly, but uh, hopefully someone will come tomorrow morning to fix everything. And then we, I guess we start over. <laughs> let's, My goodness let's me. Let's start from scratch again. But uh, I hope it doesn't it, cost always, you a lot of money. Oh, probably. Yeah, it will cost me a lot of money. Yeah. And oh. Probably I'll ask the, the guy directly, can you do it for me? Like, can you insulate the rest for me? Because uh, apparently we are not built to do this. <laughs> <laughs> we are built to do podcasts. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, yeah. That's uh, the. But maybe if we can make some money with this podcast, <laughs> then ah. I can make my roof again. <laughs> Good luck. Not in that. 10 years, probably. <laughs> not, I don't think so. <laughs> probably not ever. But uh, yeah, now I can, uh, when I, sh- I also sleep in the attic. And now when I uh, lying in, in the bed, I can uh, count stars. So uh, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm sleeping under the, under under the, the starlight now. It's, 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 it's. Quite, uh, <laughs> quite nice. Grow uh, quite romantic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you get fresh air from the hole, don't you? Uh, well, fresh. There is no fresh air outside. Not now. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Anyway, any anything for you? Did you fix anything, Andy? <laughs> I did. I did. In fact, I have fixed um, the screen uh, monitor, CRT monitor for the fifty one sixty, which is a very, very old computer uh, for you guys who don't know. It's a very old IBM computer, and the it has a monochrome monitor that I have got. It's called 5151. Um, and I have repaired that. Um, and it is really beautiful. I uh, really love it. The display is so crisp. So what did you have to do to fix it? So I spent some time with my dad doing this stuff nowadays. I used to do it by myself. And I used to have a YouTube channel, which is still active, but I can't post any videos because I'm doing this stuff. But then my dad really enjoys doing these repairs with me. And so we do them together and he stays with me on Discord. There you go. And and then we just go through the schematics of each thing that we repair and we test it slowly and we find the component that's gone wrong and we replace it. In this case, it was a resistor uh, that had um, basically broken and the circuit was open, but we couldn't find it until we actually, you say, troublesho- troubleshot it, <laughs> troubleshooted it. I don't know. And now it works. So it's it's a quite long process. It takes sometimes it takes um, I don't know two, two one day two days. And sometimes it takes months. Like Pix's um, power supply it took took absolutely ages to repair. And then we repaired it, and it worked for one day, and then it it went again. Oh, so yeah. yeah, but the monitor is beautiful. And then I started fixing another screen, the fifty one fifty three. And I fixed all the plastics. It works. Uh, just the knob of the contrast doesn't work. So we're troubleshooting that now. Mm. I also repaired a CGA card because it actually exploded when I when I tested it. And with a, So the Oops. CGA card goes with the 5153. So I put it in, turned the computer on, and bam, it exploded with a big spark. 
And it turns out that it's a very, very common issue on these old CGA cars, and you just need to replace that cap. So I did that, worked. Oh, wow. 5153 now is in the works, yes. And yeah, I've got another screen after this to repair, a bit more modern CRT IBM screen. And then I hope finally I'll be on to um, Kit's um, Amstrad, which is repaired, but it, the screen just loses sync for some reason. So, yeah, I have been very busy editing the podcast, doing some networking. I have been busy preparing, you know, uh, the other episodes and playing for the Game Club episode, which is going to come out. So very busy doing that sort of stuff. I also have been playing Goblin, so I I have have some uh, opinions on it. Good, good, (laughs) good. (laughs) I think I've nearly finished... uh, the part three, and so far, so good. Good it's, stuff. There are four parts or three parts? There's four parts, and I think each one is probably divided in four in four areas. Um, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and yeah. every area takes about an hour or something to finish, so it's pretty Depends. lengthy game. And I think we should move on to the main topic of um, of the podcast. And so, what what have you been playing, Diego? All right. Okay. Thanks for asking. I've been playing uh, not exactly a very recent game, a game that came out in 2020 on the MSX platform. It's a homebrew called Steve Door by the Nenstro and Wonder, apparently. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you guys knew what a Steve door is. Ah, no. I've seen this before. You showed me this before. I remember. Yes, no, yeah, I don't know. You say <laughs> I just mean I if you did you know that it's actually a word in English? Because I originally thought it was just the name of the character. Like a mix of Steve and Theodore, Steve Dor, but it actually turns out that it's an English word. I, I thought it meant Steve's door or something like that. So we're, we're very far away, probably. From the yeah, room. definitely <laughs> far away. Uh, well, uh, I learned apparently that Steve Dor means a dock worker. So someone, mm. uh, a laborer who usually loads and unloads ships. Or he can also apply to airplanes and other vehicles, but mainly mm. comes from from uh, sh- from shipyards language, Steve Dor. Yeah, it says here, in some ports, a Steve Dor is a person who decides where cargo is stowed on a ship for sale, stowage, and even balance of a ship. It is well, not a hands-on do. role. So it, it, he doesn't do, he he decides, oh. apparently. Uh, okay, no, no. all right. That's what Wikipedia well, so tells it's, us. Uh, basically someone re- which is really good at Tetris. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> a Tetris manager. <laughs> well, so, well, the... the character does look a little bit like a sailor to me. Mike mm-hmm. has a, this little bandana on his head. But nevertheless, uh, I think this game is um, a little bit of a gem. So even if it's not really, really new, I wanted to bring bring this game up at some point. Also particularly because we don't get that many titles on the MSX platform, okay. which is uh, a platform that I knew very little about back then. I think I yeah. only had one friend who had an MSX. 
but I was very happy to discover that it's actually pretty good. And right. it holds up pretty nicely, even after all these years. This MSX is really like a, a small wonder for me. Like I always uh, thought very, not very good about it, not very well about it. I, th- I thought it was, thought it was a bit of a crummy machine, but I've seen so many games on it and they look really nice, you know, they look really nice. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of Konami games uh, from back then. Oh, yes. Konami used to uh, publish a lot of games on there. And I think the, the first Metal Gear game is on MSX. Definitely, mm. definitely one of the most famous titles that so, came out originally uh, on MSX. Very so, nice, very nice machine. Yeah. Too bad so, it's so costly. It costs a lot of money to buy one nowadays. It's like over two hundred pounds to get an MSX two. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see you can play that game uh, on their itch page directly. So yeah. apparently they have an in-browser emulator, which is good. Oh, okay. I didn't even notice that. Thanks for pointing it out. So, what about the game itself? Yeah, well, this is very much a super classic jumps and ladders type of puzzle platformer that. I know you, Andy, you had enough of puzzle platformers recently, but to me, they're just like um, that kind of game that's perfect to sit down when you are tired one evening and you don't have the possibility to play with others, but you still want to have some gaming time that's not and not too repetitive. It makes your brain work a, li- a little bit but maybe not that much. And mm. this game in particular, well, the formula is very standard, to say the least. So you have a certain number of screens. I think it's 36 screens or levels. And in each screen, the purpose is getting the key and then go to the exit door, all while avoiding a variety of anim- enemies, like animals yeah. and other and others, and some static dangers like water or lava that you should not fall into. There's spikes and traps, shooting arrows, things like that. Yeah. So what makes this game stand out in the vast number of puzzle platformers? Well, first of all, the main the main mechanic be- besides just going around is uh, about pushing boxes. So you are a Steve Door after all. So, so yes, you must mm. be good at Tetris, as Vido said. And this pushing boxes at the beginning feels a little bit like uh, Sokoban, if you remember that kind of game. Mm-hmm. Sokobanana, so, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so you have to think where to push the boxes because, first of all, you can't pull them back. So if you push them against the wall, they're going to stay there forever right okay and so there's some thinking and yeah i can tell you that uh, almost every single time i got to a new level i didn't do it right the first time because my instinct is just starting doing something but you you really shouldn't and there is no time pressure there's no time limit in this game you should just think a bit before starting to move things around because there's no going back. So you can move these boxes. For example, you can push them under a higher platform or a ladder that you cannot normally reach. And by jumping onto the box, then you can. Yeah. You can push them into the water so they float and become some 
additional platforms for you to use. Okay. And you can also use them to block the enemies. So the enemies, there are various animals or people, and uh, they move in, in their own patterns, but uh, none of them can anyway walk through boxes or jump over boxes. So you can use for blocking the, anim- the animals as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, you can even kill them, for example, by dropping the boxes onto them or just pushing hard against them. But they they always respawn anyway. So it's not something that um, gets rid of them for the rest of can the Can you level. explain a bit better about these enemies? So they kill you if you if you land on them. Do, do they move around as well? I see a snake. There's a bat, which most probably is does move around. Because I, I see screenshots and it reminds me a bit of Witch and Wiz. So especially yeah, the, the that's snake. That's what I thought. They're, they're, yes, they all move, of course. There's some of them which are a little bit dumb, like snakes. They just walk back and forth horizontally. Yep. And so do the bats except that they fly, of course. Yeah, yeah. And others move in reaction to you getting closer to them. So there's spiders that are hanging somewhere around and often not that easy to see at first sight. And then when you pass below them, they drop vertically and they hit mm. you. Yes, oh, yeah, I understand. Or similarly, there's urchins, these spiky uh, sea animals. Yeah, urchins. So they instead jump up when you get near them. And there are some that actually shoots at you like this. Jellyfish uh, swimming in the water and shooting up if you what pass over shoot? them. What does it shoot? Shoot water? Some jelly? I'm not sure exactly. I... <laughs> I it could be that they jelly. shoot up some of their <laughs> spikes or tentacles or something like that. It just looks like a little projectile, so I'm not sure. <laughs> and uh, similarly, monkeys instead shoot something down, maybe coconuts or something like that. We all know Ooh. what that is. That's not <laughs> coconuts. <laughs> let's, not, let's not investigate further. <laughs> and there are also these um, little people, eventually, called pantojos. I think pantojos. it's Spanish. Oh. I think it's Spanish. It's a Spanish game. Uh, that's a good question. You know, I haven't even checked. I was going to ask you who made it as well. So there you go. It's made by some by a duo called the Nestruo and Wonder. These are their nicknames. But and, and they're American or Spanish? We don't know. Is I think Twitter... they. I think they actually <laughs> speak Spanish at least. Okay. Their Twitter account is Nestor Sancho. Yes. Sounds, Sounds uh, Spanish. Spanish. Yeah, that's yes, Spanish. that's what I mean. But I'm not sure the country because you know it's lots of countries no. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It could yeah, also yeah. be South America or something. Yes. It could be Brazilian. It could be Portuguese. Maybe who knows? I I would say that anyway. Also, what makes this game dear to me is that it's not that simple. Although it's not impossible, of course, but it does really require thinking or many retries, trial and error. Mm. It's your your sure way through this game, but uh, it's it's pretty challenging. Some levels, really, really, I had to do them over and over before realizing what was the little idea that would make them really work. Is it easy to reset the level? To reset. Yeah. When you're stuck, you better just quit. Meaning that 
you can just quit by pressing the stop button on the MSX and uh, you lose a life and restart. Oh, oh and by the way, nice. oh yes, so you don't have infinite retries with this game. Uh-oh. You have six lives. Well, on the bright side, there are, first of all, well, on a single gaming session, every six level, I think, there's another area. And then once you pass through the other areas, you can decide in which areas to restart. So overall, there's 36 levels, six areas. Well, there's actually six tutorial levels at the beginning, but that you don't really want to do them ever again because they're really trivial. What's the areas? What are the areas? Like uh, the ship, the oasis, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, you start in a lighthouse because the story behind this little game is that you are searching for the lighthouse keeper who has disappeared. Oh, perhaps nice. been uh, kidnapped. Who knows? And so you start in a lighthouse, then you move to an abandoned ship. Yeah. Then to a shipwreck island. Mm. And then things start to get more, let's say, dark. You need to go into something called the Uncanny Cave. The Granny Cave. And <laughs> yeah, there's some ancient temple ruins. And the last six levels, let's say they are behind the door. There's a door you go through and then there's these six last levels. Nice. So you, you get this mild help in the sense that at least if you can progress to the next area, then you can always start from that area when you finish your lives. But also the, there are a few collectibles here and there in the levels. Some, okay. I think, they're just for points, fruits and vegetables. and But there are also stars. I think there is one star, not per level, but per area. And it is usually the hardest one to get. So you need to, obviously, you need to solve the level in a little bit more complicated way to also get the star. Mm-hmm. But if you do, the prize is that you get a code for the future so that you can start from that area just by entering the code even nice. when you... okay yeah that's nice uh, yeah like a password yeah yes yes because otherwise i can tell you six lives are really really few i don't think it's possible for someone to be that good at this game that on the first try they would get to the end with those six lives no I, I don't believe it because it's really, really hard. But when you know the solution of the the puzzles, it would yes. be probably a lot easier. Yes. But to say also, I think I played this game quite a lot uh, a few years ago. And now I, I started it back and I don't remember all the solutions, of course. And it's still taking me a lot of time to figure them out again. Looks like so, a nice uh, game. How long does it take? to beat uh, yeah that's a good question because using those codes I think that um, to me it, it took not playing every day consecutively obviously but it must have taken a few weeks at least now if you if you know the solutions and just want to know how the game how long is the game start to finish I think it might be an hour 36 okay. <laughs> yeah, levels probably yeah, yeah but you have to figure out everything you can probably so. yeah do like couple of minutes depends. per level depends uh, how smart you are <laughs> but anyway i i really recommend this it's uh 
perhaps nothing marvelous from a technical point of view. Now, we've been spoiled hard by many modern games. Uh, this looks kind of normal, but pretty good. And it, it has a lot of charm, in my opinion. Very strong back to the 80s feel. And the sprites look good. I, yeah. I really liked all the sprites. And, They're quite uh, funny as well. Yeah, I like them too. They have a lot uh, of character. And how yeah. is the music? It's very 8-bit. <laughs> I think okay. it's probably two channels. I Maybe I think two-channel music, not, not more complicated than that. Mm. There's different tunes, of course, and quite nice. I also really like how the, the game introduce, introduces some elements progressively. I remember being really caught unaware, for example, by the first appearance of traps mm. that they are a little bit like uh, it they reminded me a little bit of Rick Dangerous from Amiga and C64 so there there are these traps that uh, shoot little arrows or perhaps blowgun bolts something like that mm, yes, yes and um, like a crossbow yeah so the first time they appear uh, you really don't notice them they look like just another block in the in the scenery but then and then you lose a life bam yeah. you're dead <laughs> or for example the the fact that at some point in addition to the crates or um, boxes that you also get rocks mm. and first and first it looks like a little bit redundant so it it looks like okay maybe this is a forest area or cave area don't don't remember when they start to appear and maybe they just change the the look of them so that now they look like rock and not crates because we are not in a in, in the docks anymore but they work differently oh. they, there's some difference and not gonna spoil that but just to say that right. they're not exactly the same thing cool so, so sometimes you have to choose which one to use so how did you play this game uh do you own an msx msx2 actually oh, okay but it works also on msx1 i think i've read that um, there might be a difference in the color palette between the mm. two, but uh, at least according to the to the author, it works on both. Nice. Is it, did you Actually, finish it? I think I didn't. I I am not completely sure. <laughs> when I played it a couple of years ago, I went pretty far, but I don't remember the ending. So it might be I didn't didn't finish it. And now I I played it again, of course, in the last few days, and I didn't get as far as I went the first time because now I don't really remember how to solve those levels. Oh, you have to do it all <laughs> you again. Have to remember the well, best thing. I have to do it all again, and it's gonna be fun a second time. <laughs> <laughs> there are why didn't you write down the passwords? <laughs> yeah, why didn't you write the passwords? Write down the passwords. I, I probably should somewhere, but who knows where. Anyway, so everyone uh, who owns an MSX should check this game out. Yes, thoroughly recommend. It's free. It's yes, free, isn't it? Yes, it's a homebrew game and available as uh maybe pay what you want on no it's even free no not even That's pay what you want okay no. on each.io i suppose they have a physical version i don't know if it's still for sale but uh looks awesome really nice artwork it does look quite charming this game i, I do admit that it is um quite reminiscent of uh, the witch and whiz it gives me like a title feel um i like it i like it yeah I, I keep liking the msx more and more more games we bring and we and we look at i think the msx was the machine to have you know 
better than the Amstrad. And now <laughs> I said that. <laughs> no one's going to like that, but hey, oh, I don't know. It just looks very nice to me. So, nice. what about you, Widow? What have you been playing? Ooh, I've I actually have been playing a lot of modern games. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but uh, I've been playing. Um, I just finished Death's Door, which is a modern game on uh, on every modern platform, Switch, and I played it on Steam, and it's absolutely a brilliant game. And if for everyone who likes classic Zelda games or uh, stuff with combat, uh, more combat-focused Zelda games, go play this game. Uh, uh, it's really beautiful and a beautiful sound, and uh, the the soundtrack is amazing. So, yeah, it's 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 great. So uh, I I gladly finish that, and then after when I finish such a game i'm always a bit in a down of of what should i play next i always feel like oh uh, every every game i pick up is not good enough because i played such a masterpiece but uh luckily the game i brought for the show is it death door from devolver digital uh yeah the devolver digital uh, published it published it yeah 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 i just wanted to make sure i got the right one yeah i think i'd like this sort of game i need to try it how much is it Eight pounds too much. <laughs> no, <laughs> no it it's absolutely. Uh, it it's nice. made by four people or something, which is crazy. There's like a development team of two, and they hired, I think, one animator and one 3D artist, something like that. And that's all. And it's crazy that they can achieve something like this. It's, it looks very nice. I, I, uh, I finished it on Steam, and after I finished it, I directly go got to uh, Amazon and bought the collector's edition for Switch just to have a physical version of this game. And now I have the collector's edition with a um, nice art book and a soundtrack. And uh, I think that's worth it. That was like 30 euros. So mm. that's still uh, worth it to me. Uh, it's a great game. So uh, it does look I nice. Rec- um, it's, it's yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I thought you Okay, it. but uh, yeah, um, after that, I thought, okay, what to play next? And uh, luckily, I got a, a code from uh, the developer of Tapeworm Disco Puzzle for the NES. Nice. All and right. um, he was happy to supply codes for even uh, for Flea, uh, his first game, and this game, and also this game for uh, my Playdate. I, I shared uh, a screenshot of that on uh, yeah. Twitter. And uh, actually, this game released on a lot of platforms. So brace yourself. It's released on <laughs> NES, Dreamcast, Playdate, PC, Endstream, Evercade, oh and Switch. God. Nice. In the Parasite pack. Uh, that's the combination of Flea and this game, the disco, Tapeworm Disco Puzzle. And this is only what I could find. So maybe there's, there's even more. more platforms where it, where you can play it. It uh, looks so, really uh, nice. I mean, the I've got a screenshot up here and I I don't know what version I've got. And it has a font that I absolutely love. And it's the font from the old arcades in from what I remember, obviously. The zero, the five, the four. But uh, I think every version is exactly the same except the Playdate version because that's a monochrome screen it looks really beautiful but other than that yeah, uh, yeah. if you play it on dreamcast you just play the nes game emulated yeah and same about, for all yeah, the yeah, other yeah. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, they 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 added a nice frame uh, around the game, uh, but other than that, it's exactly the same. And for Playdate, you can play multiplayer, so that's that's the only difference uh, I could find. Uh, and it's also monochrome, but it's also really cool to have a new game on the Playdate because it's a platform which is. It's really expensive to get. Yeah. <laughs> and there's not super much support for it. So I was really happy to uh, to have this game on that platform. Well, I th- anyway, I th- what I is th- the game? <laughs> wait, wait. I think you shared a video of uh, Tape Boom Disco on the play date. And I was really, really impressed by how fast the display was and how cool that... There was an animation, I think, if I recall correctly. It was really beautiful. Yeah, on that animation, I was unpacking the game. So when you install a game, it's it presented like a present on your home screen. And when you... Then you can unwrap it. And nice. And you see nice. the game. So... Uh, it's really like a it. really nice animation and uh, I, I, a super amazing little hefty amazingly built device to play date but it comes with a price yeah would you advise i don't know i'm i'm torn should i buy one i don't know <laughs> what do you say honestly <laughs> i won't buy one <laughs> because well it's it's an amazing device if you like to have something like that and that's obviously me because I like all handhelds. Yes. Uh, it's really cool to have like a, a mono, good monochrome uh, display again without backlight. So it's really nostalgic, but it still has the amazing good modern graphics. And any anyway, like indie games, then it's really nice to get one. But including import, import to, the, to the Netherlands and probably everywhere in Europe... And, and the waiting, and I, th- I think I paid like 300 euros or something for the thing. Oh my God. And, uh, okay. <laughs> you can nearly get PS5 for that. Nearly, right? so, nearly, uh, nearly, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's really, yeah, think about it. <laughs> Especially because the support isn't uh, that great, I think. Uh, mm. A lot of people say it, it is, but... Uh, but I think it's a little lackluster. I expected like it would be a super indie hidden gem game device, but uh, indie yeah, gem, yeah, more like a lot of people experimenting with it. But there's not a lot of really great games on there, like mind blowing stuff. Yeah, it's just like the flash games or something, <laughs> something like that oh. from yesteryear. So yeah, sorry for the digression. Yeah, but uh, I was interested. I, I'm I'm always interested. Like the Mio Mini, you know, you sparked my interest with that. And then, but um, that's very reminiscent of other consoles. This one, the, the Playdate, I always think, oh, maybe I should get that one. Yeah, at I least mean, it does something unique, and it has there his own its own games. So yes, 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 that's great about it. But <laughs> at this point, it's so hard to get, and it's expensive. So maybe wait on it. Anyway. This game <laughs> is actually a great game for a Playdate, uh, which is also a direct port of the, on, from the NES. Uh, but I played it on my Mio Mini uh, because I really like to have it handheld. So this game is yeah. a little bit similar as uh, Jago's game. It's also a single screen puzzle game. Mm. But in this game, it's a little bit zany. Uh, you play a tapeworm. Mm, I don't lovely. know if you know what a tapeworm <laughs> is. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> and the tapeworm is actually the local nightclub owner. And he has to make sure that the fleas, uh, which live in apparently the intestines of people, enjoy themselves. 
and uh, the fleas need to drink their blood and uh, you have to be sure that uh, there's still uh, nice music around so they can uh, can party who has fleas yeah in i don't know <laughs> oh my <laughs> god it gives me a great ni- 90s <laughs> I don't vibes this game it's like something from uh, ren and Stimpy or something <laughs> crazy stuff yeah but instead of playing a disgusting a tapeworm you're actually a worm which which lives in a cassette tape an audio cassette tape yeah that's pretty cool so uh, what you have to do is you get out of the one side of the cassette tape and it's a grid based uh, puzzle so every time when you put push a step then it gets out a little bit more out of the cassette tape and it extrudes out of the cassette tape and there's a counter in the top of the screen, how far you can extrude out of the tape. Yeah. Uh, it, it moves a bit like the, the game Snake. Yes, yes, I know what you mean. But not automated. So what you do when you extrude it, you can't pass your own body uh, anymore. So you can get stuck uh, because of it. And what you have to do is pick up all the uh, music notes. That's how the game starts. So there's music uh, notes mm-hmm. in, the, in the levels, which is a bit like a labyrinth. And then you have to, without knotting yourself or touching yourself, you have to find all the uh, music notes. Never touch yourself. Don't touch yourself. When you're doing a game. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen, kids, don't touch yourself. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, yeah, don't listen. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Uh, don't touch your worm. Anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's also cassette tapes in the in the in the levels, which uh, makes you extend further. Uh, so uh, when you pick those up, you can the, your counter gets higher, so you can get a little bit longer uh, in the level. And you can also get inside of the tape and get out uh, on the other side of the tape. So there's multiple ways to uh, get through the level, um, but that's only how it starts. Uh, and uh, it gets pretty well uh, later on. So I have a quick question here. So I've got a screenshot up and you told me first that the tapeworm has to, you know, um, serve these fleas in the intestine. And then this screenshot I've got is a cassette and then the labyrinth is all like uh, red and it and it's all a bit like, um, I don't know, it's got all undulated uh, labyrinth. And when you said that, I thought that someone has stuck the cassette up somewhere <laughs> and I'm... <laughs> and the worm is going out why is that is that what this is why is the why the walls all red is that because it's all blood i, f- I think you're in intestines but um it, it's never explained <laughs> but the cassette is in there uh yeah there's a way to put cassette tapes in there <laughs> <laughs> okay i don't know <laughs> don't ask too many questions <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, okay. It's never explained why there's a cassette over there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not explain it. <laughs> anyway, uh, later on, there's also uh, the, f- the the fleas uh, are jumping around in the level. They jump on you. If you touch them, they, they jump on you, and then you can uh, jump, make them jump higher to get to uh, uh, blood vessels so they can have a drink. In the discotheque, uh, there's mm. also walking fleas, and you have to lemming style let them walk over your back and lead them to a door, uh, and without them falling into spikes. So you have to be a bit quick about it. 
And there's a lot of variations. There's, for example, so uh, uh, wormholes. Yeah. So when you get into a wormhole, you get somewhere else out somewhere else are you a uh, so you can yeah. teleport around <laughs> uh, in the levels ah. later on there's two tape worms you control one from one side of the tape and one from the other side of the tape and they uh, move mm. in opposite directions so you have to navigate them through the levels without touching the spikes are these spikes they look more like uh, nice i don't know a candlestick then there's a dagger or I thought even um, a syringe. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I yeah, thought they were uh, just knives. Like but, yeah. yeah, sort of knives, but mm. what are knives doing there? Anyway. I've got knives in my intestine, <laughs> not a good one. <laughs> it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> There's also mm. other stuff no. like uh, sort of slime, where if you go there, you shoot through it. So you, you can't control into the slime. You always get out on the other side. And there's all kind of other hazards like uh, enemies flying around. When you touch them, you also have to start the level over. But the nicest thing of this game, it has 100 levels. And I think every six levels or something, they throw a real new mechanic at you. And you have like the sixth level, you have to learn a new mechanic. And the seventh level, it gets a little bit harder. And the eighth level... It's, it's the hardest uh, version of that mechanic. And then they introduce a new mechanic. So they throw a lot of new mechanics in uh, in this uh, level. And do the mechanics add or do they just change? Uh, they change, but they also add up. So at first they, they only change and then you get like a new element of the old, of an old element into the new mechanic. And so it, mm. it changes all the time. Which is really, I really love that every good indie game, I feel, does that. Ugh. I am. I was looking at trying to find some screenshots, and I did did actually put in tape um, disco, but some disgusting things as well. <laughs> while I'm, it's not not a good. <laughs> I, I really like. I really like the zany uh, art uh, style. There's also like um, uh, cutscenes in between levels where. Oh, lovely! What what is that? Do I want to know? <laughs> well, it's just <laughs> what is the cutscene? Tape worms talking to fleas and <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, ah, and, and yes. The, Ooh, what is the that? The art style is really nice uh, of those cutscenes. I really like. Uh, it's really nice for an NES game. Really nice looking. It is. It is. I think uh, the art is really beautiful. I mean, the choice of the tapeworm <laughs> is quite funny in some way. There is something weird with. Um, I don't know. I can't even show you this. Um, this weird screenshot. There's the tapeworm, and then there's something weird brown with boobs. And that's I'm a flea. That's a flea. That's the walking flea. Is it really a flea, or is it something else? It's it's a uh... tapeworm. <laughs> brown. <laughs> it does look. Look, uh, if I could show you this, I, I, I have this. I think I have yeah. that screenshot. It's it's the it's yeah. the catwalking uh, flea you have to lead around uh, the level uh, on your back that's, that's nuts what an idea also, anyways yeah sorry interrupt you uh, every now and then there's a sort of boss level where you get out of the tape yeah and then it j- plays just like snake right so it go you, you go forward automatically and you you can't touch the walls or or anything or else you're done and you also have the same goal uh, pick up all the all the music notes uh, yeah, sounds a very interesting concept. Not die. <laughs> uh, luckily, there's no there's no lives in this game, so you can restart all over all the time. And every level has their own password, 
only four letters, so it's really right. easy to remember as well. It really wants you to play this game instead of <laughs> bugging you all the time. Ah, what a <laughs> pun. <laughs> Is a flea a bug? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, also, what the one thing what was a little disappointing with a title like that, Tapeworm Disco Puzzle, you think like there's a really active disco soundtrack or something, but actually it's pretty, oh, yes, isn't it? It starts off pretty mellow, so you think, oh, okay, this is just good, but mellow uh, NES music for good for a puzzle. But if you think disco, you think like a banging soundtrack, but it's really quiet. But uh, fortunately, every I think every twenty levels the soundtrack changes and I think the further you go the soundtrack gets better and better and I think the last sound uh, the last music track was really really upbeat and really nice nice I like it it's like some form of a reward yeah absolutely and there's this there's also a a two-player mode uh, which is exactly the same but you the one player controls the worm from the left side of the tape and the other controls the worm from the right side of the tape and you have to play together to uh, to solve all the puzzles so uh, i think that's only 25 that's not competition it's not competitive isn't it no it's only co- cooperative so uh, that's okay. 25 levels uh, co-op and and the single player has 100 levels so there's uh, there's a lot to do in this uh, game which is nice. Do you know if it's procedurally generated or? No, is no, it no. Just it's, it's just fixed puzzles. So if you play it all through there, oh. then uh, then you played everything. Yeah, I, I I really liked it, especially on my handheld where I can just pick it up, play some levels, write down the password, and play uh, something else, or just do something else and pick it up later in the, on the day because it maybe takes like not even a minute to to finish a level so uh yes there, there is diff- of course difficult levels i think like uh the level uh, 80 or something there's pretty yeah. difficult because uh especially the, the levels where you control two of those snakes uh, snakes i say snakes but it's worms <laughs> let's think about them as snakes <laughs> they, they control <laughs> like snake so uh, that's that's a confusing thing but uh you control uh, yeah, two yeah. of those uh, worms and because they move in opposite direction from each other, it's really it really messes with your brain. And also, sometimes uh, one of those uh, worms can get uh, longer than the other because one worm picked up a cassette tape and the other didn't. And then one worm gets stuck and the other can continue. And it's really hard to to figure those puzzles out, but it's really fun. I, re- I really love this game. It seems like a bit mind-melting, yeah. There is an icon here that uh, looks like a jar of, bl- is it blood or is it a potion? Yeah, that's or what the fleas has uh, to have to pick up the, the ah, vessels okay. of blood. It's not, it's not like they an extra potion blood. or something. Or <laughs> if you party, you have to drink, right? Can't wait to party and drink some blood. <laughs> Bloody Marys. Anyway, yeah, it's it's ten bucks the game, I think. Yeah, and when you buy it hmm. on itch, you get the NES version uh, a windows version i haven't tried that anyway it's probably an emulator mm-hmm. and also the dreamcast version all right and it's 10 uh, 10 dollar and i played i think it took me 
one and a half hour or something to to beat this game. All right. And I think I was pretty quick because how long to beat uh, that con says it's two and a half hours. So I don't know uh, mm-hmm. why it was so quick for me, but uh, all right. Yeah, I really I really liked it. I, I hope actually there is a sort of sequel in the future because I think uh, only with this with these mechanics he added in this game there's. It could be way more levels, I think. But but luckily, this 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 game doesn't overstay its welcome. So it's also not never really hard. So it's just a fun casual playthrough. And it's let's say one level after the other all the time. Uh, it's not like it's got different areas and stuff like that. Uh, no, yeah, it's all single screen. They change up the colors of the of the areas, but yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. Uh, Super different or something. So this says art design, Alastalo, programming, Valdir Salguero, and then music Tui. I hope I'm pronouncing them right. I don't know. So three people made this game. So congratulations yeah. to them. It looks looks good. They, they're called low tech games. Oh yes. Oh well. Yeah, it looks very vibrant. Um, f- a funny concept in some ways, but uh, yeah, looks good. Yeah, I especially like the the the, the theme of the game. It's really zany. It's really strange, and uh, it's pretty yeah, original. Yeah. Oh, you can't get more original than a tape. A worm. tape worm with the <laughs> with the headphones on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what have you been playing, Andy? Well, I've been really busy doing, as I said, the editing and organizing the high score challenge, which I keep mentioning. It will come very very soon, and uh, it's going to be very interesting. So I didn't have time to play a proper game like you guys did but I did have a couple of shot bursts at uh, two games really one is a Game Boy Traumatarium I don't know if you've heard it Wido. I'm sure you have yeah it's a Kickstarter right now yes uh, I've, I've looked into it but uh, yeah if I said I think I said before that I cancelled my credit card so I can't do Kickstarter anymore yeah that's a that's a bummer <laughs> But um, I played that on a browser, unfortunately. But I wanted to have a look. I really wanted to play it on the Game Boy, but I think they, they've taken the demo down, I think, for the Kickstarter physical release or something. Oh, wow. What is this game, then? Um, it, in a nutshell, it's like a very, very, very simple dungeon um, crawl, I think you say, yes. And every location you visit or part of the location you visit is just a static screen, which is really well drawn. And... In every screen, you make one choice by pressing the A button or the B button. And that's about all there is to it. That's what I saw as well. I thought it looked like a interactive uh, slideshow or something. Yes, uh, I kind of agree. It is in some sort of way. Um, there are parts where allegedly you can go into a tavern and perform different actions, buy new weapons and upgrades. But I didn't come across of any of that in this small preview I had. Oh, yeah. yeah. The pro of this game is that it is very simple. So it it is maybe a con, but it's also a pro. The the screens are very well drawn, the ones that are there, but then the mechanics... The amazing. Yes. It's static, though. There's nothing moving, really, except very simple scenes. You usually are just presented with a screen, and initially you are, let's say, in the village, uh, in the tavern, I think it is, and then you can press right, and you, and you just go around these different location entries, uh, entrances, sorry. And there's one cave, there's a dungeon, there's something else, and then you press to go in. It always asks you to confirm, I think, the choice. Then you, when you're in, you start going further down in the dungeon until you get to the last level. Okay. 
So how does a, a dungeon work? So say a dungeon has five levels, you will be presented with a, a screen for each level in which you have a choice between two options. You make that choice, pressing A or B, something will happen, and if you make it, you get to the next screen until you reach the end of the dungeon. And based on your choice, you, I think there is a, just a, a random number generator. And either you get something or you fight a monster, and usually it's like, search a monster attacks, leave a monster attacks, <laughs> and you fight this monster. And it's just basically you press A and something happens in the background which randomizes something, I guess, and then the enemy gets some energy taken away and uh, you do it again and there's RNG again. And if, you know, you strike him, I don't know the mechanics behind the scenes, but you don't see anything. You just see one of the two energies goes down and you don't know how much. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I've seen. It it, it, it looks so... that the, the, the art style is amazing but everything else looks so basic it's almost no game but it's very fast but maybe i am yeah, wrong like but idle sort of game. it's very fast so you just keep pressing and it just evolves and it just goes there is some sort of strategy if you want so when you're lucky enough to to get the right rngs then you find bandages and food so the bandages i think cure your health the food cures your vitality, but though I have not really explored how these two work in conjunction. But And also, beware, I haven't seen any upgrades at all, so I don't know how that works. So, so far, I've been in some mm. dungeons. There's a light, little nifty idea where every time it says level and it says the number of the level, and as you are progressing in the dungeon, that um, this writing gets always messier and messier until you get to the final level. The final level has a very, very basic cutscene and you get to find to fight a very very strong monster never won that it's impossible i can't even with all the bandages i could find never won it so that's a very simple look uh, at this game it, it's interesting because even if it's very very basic the gameplay is so quick because you just press a and b a and b all the time really quickly and stuff happens on the screen you go through it really fast so i i suppose like a really you're in an elevator. You can do a, I don't know, probably a dungeon really quickly. Yeah, it looks a bit like an art gallery to me, <laughs> an interactive art gallery or something. I don't know. I, I, like the art artwork of that, that game uh, initially uh, really sold me, but then I looked up uh, footage of the gameplay and I thought, hmm, maybe wait on this one because, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, it, it's sort of a dungeon crawler, but super basic, like an RPG First person uh, RPG is I don't know it doesn't really have any dialogue that I saw it's just uh, very, uh, the intro has some dialogue and that's it it's a bit a stretch of the RPG like but okay maybe later so, on they introduce other mechanics like uh, the weapon upgrade and other stuff I, again I played it in the browser so please do not take my this is not a, a full on um, look at the game it's mm -hmm. just um, yeah that's that uh, I've seen someone else play it and uh, I have the similar similar experience of just seeing someone mm. playing it so i don't know let's uh, wait yes i'm interested to have a look the, uh, yeah what, what other stuff they put in it and how it works out uh, the other locations it, it might turn out that it's a really good game i don't know uh this stage as it is now it, i don't know i'm a bit dubious about it but that's just me and so, by the way, for what platform is it going to be, the final version? Uh, I think it's Game Boy. All right. Just, okay. a, just original um, Game Boy. I didn't see, yes, I, I didn't see any color. I just saw the 
let's say, the, the usual palette of the Game Boy. The monochrome. monochrome. Okay. But um, it reminds me a bit of those games that I played with Diego back in the days. Uh, I know it was um, that was text adventure at the time, um, but the the battles are very similar. Press space and you just get numbers and you just go oh you're oh you're dead. You have kind of no control. But it was so fast that you just press so quickly. It's a bit like a scratch card. You scratch and you want to see the next one. You scratch again and you want to see what's next. It's that sort of uh, feeling that you get when you're when you're battling. So that's one. Uh, then I had a look at uh, a quick look at one game that I actually backed, and I'm very happy to have done that because I got the copy as soon as it came out. And it's for now, it's proving to be a really nice game for me. So it's called Astabros, and it's for the Mega Drive. Again, I've only had a quick look at it, so I'm. I think I will have a better chance to talk about this later on. But so far, it seems pretty nice. So it's like a platformer. And you can choose between three heroes to go around. There is a story, which I will talk about, not not in this occasion, but we'll talk about uh, when we actually look at it properly, either in a quick look or when we do a proper episode about it. And the platformer itself is absolutely gorgeously drawn animated um it, this game is by the way by neophyte studios and they did demons of astable which was again another very very well-made game this particular game uh, strikes me a lot because it's got um, a lot of dimensions you can go down it's got crafting i think the levels are i think they are procedurally generated not the art inside it, but the disposition. They probably got a handful of levels and then they form the dungeons differently. And and you have a little map at the top and it tells you where you are. It tells you where things are. You can find maps. There's a bestiary, so you can add lore to, to the bestiary and go and read that lore. You have different weapons. I have to throw all this in, in like like I'm telling you because... There's a lot of stuff, and when I want to go through this, I want to go through it properly, but for now, it just gives you a flavor of how deep this game is and how many things you can do. You can charge an attack. Uh, you can do a special move, which I haven't figured out yet. You can play this cooperatively, so you can play with two people at the same screen. I tried that with my friend. It's really nice, a nice experience for me. So you have three characters, but maximum cooperative player is I two. don't know I think so the Mega Drive has two ports I think I think there's no room in the status bar of this game uh, to supply a third character but I don't, don't know for yeah, sure because uh, I've, I've watched you stream it and uh, it looks like really full on, on the top so it's probably two player but there's probably solutions to play four player on the on the Mega Drive I think but I don't anyway <laughs> at least you can play it co-op like these these like Metroidvania style games normally are single player, so or at least it looked to me as a sort of Metroidvania game. Yeah, yeah, it looks that game, way. But... Uh, there's lots of um, animations and unique characters. There's lots of little touches. If you watch the stream, there's oh, some parts. For example, you you end up in a tavern. You get a drink, which is a mushroom drink or something, and all the screen goes wobbly. There's so many nice touches like that in in the game that make it look so polished and um, and obviously then the art style is beautiful and the animations are beautiful that i've reached the final boss now countless number of times i haven't beaten him yet but 
the, so final the final boss. The first oh, boss, boss. Sorry, not the final boss. <laughs> the first boss. I said the final boss of the first level, but yes, the first boss. <laughs> and he's beautifully animated. He jumps around. You, you learn the strategy to beat him. I haven't beat him yet, but uh, yes, I'll, I will beat him soon. And hopefully, then I'll see what's the second what the second level has to hold. There's mounts, so enemies for now can mount other like beasts like i don't know there's like a dragon and they can go on top of the dragon then you can throw them off and then you can and then they maybe have a spear and you can attack them and they lose the spear there's a lot of that sort of golden axe sort of thing as well it is just beautiful for me i can't wait to see what is at the end of this level and the next level and it all comes with a big mini map you, you can go in different locations. Every location displays the, the difficulty level of the locations with little skulls. It's so very nicely crafted. Yeah, it looked, looked really amazing, especially for for Mega yes. Drive. I, and also and the music was yes, really good. Yes, the music is really uh, yeah, yeah, beautiful. And some concept. So what about the characters? Can, what characters can you play? Say three characters. Yeah, so you, you play either a knight, a mage, or a ranger, and they all have different attacks. And... So far, for example, the mage I saw could charge, but then the knight, I wasn't able to, to make it charge, but my friend somehow did it or did it automatically. We didn't really understand yet yeah, with this game. There's lots lots to explore and to understand what, what actually you can do. And then there's all sorts of stats. So if you press select or start, I think it is, uh, you get one of the the big screen with lots of details of stats and things that you, that you, you know, that you can have and do. And then there's a really cool thing. So, you know, when you die, so you can actually obviously die. Um, you go back to a thing called camp. But again, I don't want to get too, into too many details. And before you go to camp, you, you it shows you death animation, right? So you die on the screen and all the rest fades out. It's really beautifully done. And then some thieves come and start kicking you and punching you and to try and steal your money. So every time, the, the reality is every time you die, you lose the loot that you find. So there's also that to talk about. There's so much loot. There's rings, amulets, stuff. Let's not talk about it right now. But anyways, you lose this loot. You lose the money while they're kicking you and punching you. And if you let them do it, they will take it all and then you go back to camp. But there's a smart mechanic in there. So you press A really quickly and you send them away and you can lose very little. So it's very well done. Even the, let's say the game over screen is I think overly over-engineered in a good way. It's really nice. So even when you're dead, you still have got something to do. So is, is this a sort of a roguelike? Yes, roguelike I think so. Whatever. I think in that respect it is. So you kind of die. And then if you're, you know, quick enough, you can keep the stuff you have, most of it, let's say. And then you start back from the camp and you can go again and then for example there's so much so there's too much to, to talk about but then you play more and you get deeper so it's a bit like dead cells or something um, i don't know because i haven't found the that's what i'm saying i'm not i'm not going to do a full in-depth uh, look mm -hmm. at this because there's too much that i don't know uh, i haven't found upgrades for weapons yet so i don't know but i'll have to see what happens with that but then you find vendors well, it's, it sounds really ambitious <laughs> but it's not in the works it's done you know, so yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's but yeah, interesting. It's also available on for Windows, I think, on yes, Steam. Yes, yes. But I'm not sure if it's uh, really the same or 
because I think that at first sight, the Mega Drive version looks much better to me. I think, uh, I don't know, there's something about these retro indie games that they make that is unique. And when I see them running on the machine uh, they're meant for, let's say, for lack of a better expression, I guess, then they become absolutely wonderful. But if I put them in comparison to modern pixel games, I mean, uh, there is better graphics because, you know, there are consoles that do better graphics, that do more colors, that do more frame per second, that, that can handle more sprites and can handle bigger sprites. So you have to put your hat on, your Mega Drive hat on, and, and I think play this on a Mega Drive. And then it will shine, I think. Yeah, but I don't know. Sometimes, for example, that, that game I, I played, the Tapeworm Disco mm. Puzzle, the NES doesn't hold that game back. I think uh, it couldn't be better on another plat- platform because maybe you could be use a little bit more colors in the graphics, but the, the game is exactly the same on every platform. Uh, do you think like a Mega Drive holds a game like this back that it's maybe more ambitious than the Mega Drive can handle? No, I mean, uh, it depends in concept or, or in tech, do you mean? Yeah, maybe when they, if they did develop this game just for a modern platform, wouldn't it be better? Because you say, yeah, you have to play it on a Mega Drive and you have to put your Mega Drive hat on and realize this is a Mega Drive. So it could be maybe better when it's on on a modern platform. Or do you think it's still a good game in its own right? If I used your comparison to Tapeworm Disco, it will be the same. I think the Mega Drive cannot do anything more than that. And it, I, I, I struggle to see how, you know, it can handle more stuff than it throws. There's so many details, stuff that flies around, money. Yeah, of, of course. But if, if they developed it on, a, on just a modern PC... Would it be an other game or? It would, would probably it just have a bit better graphics, game? I guess. That's what I would say. Okay. So the gameplay, it doesn't hold back. Oh, the no, gameplay. the gameplay for me is really well done. Like it's really playable, you know? So when you're, when you're smashing, cool. even in co-op, not a slowdown, it's, uh, it's incredible for me, even, you know, the, the, no, no, it doesn't slow down. It doesn't have any holdbacks in that respect. Uh, absolutely none. Oh, that's great. Cool. So, yeah. So actually, people could play it on modern platforms, and it's still a good game. Yeah, in yeah. Its, own it's right. a good game. It's just like, for example, the Mega Drive maybe doesn't have all the colors, doesn't have particle effects, obviously. So, mm, you know, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah the graphics but that's, are maybe a bit less, but the gameplay is still yeah, the yeah. same. Cool. Well, well, does does it make a huge gameplay difference? you choose one character over the other uh i don't think it does for now but uh, uh it's a hard for one. example does the mage cast spells or just shoots so there's another thing that i don't know yet properly so you can when you go into the level in the first level you are probably at the beginning on every of every level you can choose a, a weapon but obviously in the beginning you've only got one so it doesn't show any other options and i've not unlocked any other options but uh, at the beginning, the mage can shoot. Uh, the mage can charge as well. So you can hold and press and hold and you'll see a little timer and some balls will fill in, little little balls. And then when you're completely charged, you release and it releases like an R-type sort of uh, beam with, uh, with a mouth. 
and that's really beautifully drawn. Like, I don't think the knight has something like that. Maybe you charge him, and it, and he does something completely different. But I haven't found out what it is. And they say that's the extent of what I know up to now. But I'll add something else before you ask another question. There are some really interesting concepts they put in here. So, for example, there's loot, treasure, treasure loots that some of them can can be opened by shooting them. Some of them can be opened by using bombs, which is another thing I haven't been into. Some of them are the boss loots and they just open, I think. I don't remember. And then, for example, before you go to the boss, uh, there's a teleport pad and you can go on it, pay 50 coins and you can, it will take you back to the weapon room. So you can, if you want to do the boss with a different weapon, you can go back and switch the weapon. It's There's more stuff like this, but there's it's chock-a-block of all these little nuances and, and little things that are everywhere. And it just makes the game really, really come alive in a way that I haven't seen on the Mega Drive yeah. yet. I was worried when I saw this Kickstarter and that it was co-op, really focused on the co-op. Mm. And I thought, yeah, I, when I play these games, I mostly play alone. So I thought, well, mm. just skip this. But... Uh, you say it's like single player. It's oh great yes, as well. totally. I only yeah. I I've played myself most of the time. Uh, I don't know yet if there is um a an ability of one of the other players, uh, characters. Sorry, that maybe allows you to charge the other players or to heal the other players. I don't know. Uh, mm. And then there's all the loot stuff. I haven't touched on the keys and all that stuff. But we'll we'll talk about it better and in more detail when we actually cool. um. Get, take it into consideration. I probably. was about to say that. Uh, yeah, I was about to say that maybe I would appreciate more cooperative gameplay mm-hmm. other than solo gameplay. And, and that somehow uh, your description of this game, uh, it reminded me a little bit of Trine, which is actually a Finnish oh, game yeah. originally. Mm. Although possibly Trine 2 may, might have been done by some other company but that's more like a puzzle game i think well i wouldn't really call it puzzle but there are places where you have to cooperate pretty much between the characters and it it, it has a similar sounding characters as well you have a hmm. a knight you have an archer and then you have a wizard but uh, the difference is the wizard doesn't really shoot anything it only creates objects like boxes like mechanical giant boxes or sometimes platforms well it's a completely different game and uh, um, we have it we have it on ps3 mm. i think but it's one of my kids favorite game to play and it sounds somewhat similar uh, this Astro bros but more about uh, fighting certainly not so much about figuring out how to cooperate and uh, also with this roguelike map and uh, definitely quite quite deep uh, weapon system probably and treasure system as well. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I'm oh. very favorably impressed. But when I saw the trailer on Kickstarter, I was really... I think we, we mentioned this game way, way ago. So I kind of followed it. And um, for now, I'm not disappointed, you know, um, at all. So it would be nice to play it maybe all together. We should see. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I'm excited to try that. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, guys. Cool. Um, I think now we can move on swiftly to news. Okay. 
but I'm going to turn on, on the light. Let's take a break then. My life, Ryder. Before entering a battle with a Zerg, I always listen to New Game on Flame. All the protests do, and you should too. My meditation is over. We stand as one. On to the news. No one talk. <laughs> Should I go? Okay. <laughs> okay, my first... Uh, all my news is about fast food. Hey! <laughs> so, uh, fast, uh, fast food and gaming. Is it vegan yes. fast food? <laughs> Uh, oh, no, God. it's it's uh, unfortunately it's uh, it's all places I I never go and I never want to found, find be found alive. So <laughs> it's uh, it's quite interesting. <laughs> um, it, it first all started with um, uh, you probably seen that it, be, it went viral. Uh, the the Mac, McDonald's Tetris McNugget. Yeah. Have you seen this? I have seen it because yeah, I tweeted it. I think. Or retweeted yes. it, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> it's it's really a monstrosity. It's it's a, uh, a chicken McNugget with a screen on it and a few, uh, some buttons. <laughs> and you can play uh, Tetris on it. And apparently it's uh, it's official licensed Tetris. Yeah. So it doesn't have the same problem as the... Apertris. As uh, Apertris mm-hmm. has. Uh, it's officially licensed by, uh, by Tetris company. Well... I've I've watched gameplay of this game and it looks quite horrible, <laughs> honestly. It's just one of those uh, old uh, LCD games you probably could get at a Happy Meal uh, before. Oh. What uh, a disappointment! I remember having or like the Game and Watch. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, maybe a little bit better, but yeah, it's just Tetris, but not a great version of it. But the device... Is it like a, a generic handheld or can you just play Tetris? You can only play Tetris and it's like four, uh, four dollars, I think. In, and it's only in China. Oh, so, okay. Uh, yeah, if you want okay, it, you so have to you, import it. But you just buy it from McDonald's. Yeah, you, I, I think you can just buy it in McDonald's. For four dollars. So, for four dollars. It's it's a neat looking thing. Or it, it's it's incredibly cheap anyway. It, it's 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 nothing special. <laughs> okay, but, but to uh, the point that it, it could have even be a giveaway. Like if you spend more than I don't know fifty for the whole family, you get this. Um, I don't see the point. If it's so cheap, I don't see the point. Why even selling it? Rather than uh, having it part of a, a happy meal sort of. Uh, offer well like if you spend more than 50 for the whole family that you get one of these i don't know it's a, it's a very know. bizarre one but uh, yeah but yeah I, I understand your point it's probably yeah well it, it's doing uh, amazingly uh virally yeah. so uh, it is a nice uh, way to promote uh, a mcdonald's again so after that i found somebody posted uh, that there is DLC <laughs> uh, for Diablo oh, 4. Okay, no, I thought we were going to say DLC for about KFC. Oh. No, there's DLC for Diablo 4, and it's all uh, KFC weapon cosmetics. Oh, so, uh-huh. boo. You can. <laughs> so, <laughs> for example, you have the trimming axle. 
let's see, it's like a, it resembles a chicken rotisserie thing where you, you know the things where they put the chicken on and spin Yeah, it? I don't know mm-hmm. the name. Like the yeah. three, the three prongs. KFC, oh my God, this is so weird. Who puts that in a game? It's KFC stuff. Oh, oh. <laughs> It's pretty horrendous. <laughs> also, super silly. Why? Yeah, it's probably just promotional. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, so, this is something you also have to buy, or um, does it come for free? For example, if you spend enough money at KFC. Let's see. Uh, if you spend more than fifty pounds in KFC, you don't get to live anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> No. Blizzard Entertainment will again partner with KFC to give out up to five Diablo 4 in-game rewards. Ah, oh, maybe they're just free at this point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so si- uh, silly. There's like a, the Vessel of the Eleven that stands for the Eleven Herbs <laughs> KFC uses. There's a lot of really deep cuts. It's really weird. <laughs> it just, is very weird. Just, just check the article. And then to top it off, I think two days ago from the recording, McDonald's released a Game Boy Color game, which is called Grimace's Birthday. And it's the purple, Grimace is the purple guy. I don't know if you know the, the McDonald's characters, but it looks, looks like a Grimace. We had the cartoon, uh, which is called Barba Papa. Yeah, you know Barba Papa, we do. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he looks like a purple barber papa. <laughs> and uh, he does, in the first two levels, he does some skateboarding. It's like a platform game. I, I actually beat this game already because it's super short. It's actually a quite competent game. It's like a platformer. It's really simple. But you you first start on a skateboard and you can grind and uh, do kickflips and pick up uh, items. And then... Uh, after two levels, you start walking and then you have to do just regular platforming. And later on, there's like a sort of, you get into a bubble and then it's more like a um, balloon kit. But it's over before you know it. It's like six levels, I think. But actually, it's it's quite a good game. <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed it. And it's really crazy that McDonald's publishes a game right. also made in GB Studio, by the way. On the Game Boy Color. Why? Why the Game Boy Color? I mean, why <laughs> not the Nintendo Switch at this point, or or some um, current consoles? The, the the weird thing is, you can actually only play it in the browser, and then it uh, has a mobile interface and also uh, a desktop interface. And in the ROM of the game, it explains how to use the controls of. Uh, how to use it on your phone or in the browser. So it's actually not designed to actually run on a Game Boy, but someone put the, the ROM on archive.arc and you can just download it and just play it on your Game Boy Color. And it just mm-hmm. runs fine, but you get the instructions okay. how to play it on your computer, which is really weird. Okay, so McDonald's doesn't advertise this as a Game Boy Color game. Uh, no, initially not, but when you play it, you 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 directly feel that it's a great Game Boy Color okay. game. So okay. it's 
it's so weird. Uh, I don't know why they threw this, but uh, yes, I, I, of course, uh, for me, it's <laughs> it's quite amazing. <laughs> I, I had to jump on this and play this directly, and it's actually uh, quite a good game. It, it set it so short that when it was like maybe five times uh, longer, then uh, it would be like a full-blown Game Boy game. Yeah, um, uh, this this doesn't sound bad at all. Like it's not like the. Mac Nuggets, Tetris. No, I, I thought I thought it would be like a throwaway game, just something mm-hmm. was, was was thrown together in like a day or something. But it's actually good. There's mm-hmm. actually no. I couldn't find any bugs. There's a lot of game bo- uh, gameplay variety. <laughs> I actually recommend everyone to just download this ROM and play it. It's like in a half hour, it's done, and uh, and then you can uh, do something else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for what it is, it's good. All right, I think that. Uh, Usually, uh, these sponsored games, as rare as they are, most of them are probably just buried in history. But I do remember one for uh, DOS back in the 90s called Push Over. Oh, Quavers. Which was a nice... Yes, it was a promotional game, right? But it was a very, very fine puzzle game. Really, really challenging and... Well done. So I remember Burger King also released on the 360. They released two games. One of which is, I think, Sneak King or something. I think you can could also buy that on in the Burger King, and it's just a, a 360 box and disc. And there's just a, they they developed a game for Xbox 360. <laughs> I don't know. It's such silly stuff. I don't know for who, who wants this stuff, but. Uh, I guess uh, it's good that they're sponsoring game development. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think you lost me before. I am. I have to. I have to read these. I am a big Diablo fan, so I've been playing Diablo. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so the Vessel of Eleven is one of the Druid exclusive offhand cosmetics, and it refers to the KFC original recipe, the th- thrumming axle. <laughs> a staff that resembles a chicken rotisserie used by KFC. That's the one that you were talking about. The dead pheasant slayer. <laughs> the hand of Gallus, which Gallo in Italiano means uh, cock. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> cancel, cancel. Rooster. 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 <laughs> rooster. <laughs> means rooster. And the foul reaper. Two-handed scythe all include puns revolving around poultry terminology. <laughs> and then, I don't know, I just, when I read this, I, I, I can see the items here on the screen. I've, I've pulled them up and it's like incredible. And I just think the next one up is going to be the Excali chip, which is a <laughs> like a sword with a giant chip. That would be amazing if they had that. <laughs> I, I still uh, flabbergasted. I didn't see you put this news in, so I'm really really gobsmacked that Diablo went down this route, really in a bad way as well. How, <laughs> what, do they actually need KFC sponsorship? Of course not. <laughs> oh, God. They're, they're like Blizzard Activision. They're the biggest game company in the world, I think. But it's not the first of April, is it? I mean, what? what, what? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I wanted to read them out. Sorry. Of course, they're hilarious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mm. on to more serious news, probably. Mm. <laughs> Maybe Diego has, Diego has something to. <laughs> well, 
what, what do I have? <laughs> Some piece of news. Well, I think that the news that mostly caught my attention recently, and probably everybody knows very well about it by now, is that Apple announced their Vision Pro. I've watched it, yeah. So, you, I guess you you both I, know. I haven't it, right? seen it. I don't know. I haven't followed Apple. Oh, whoa. Uh, well, okay. it was pretty much all over the news anyway, because it's a visor for uh, augmented reality mm-hmm. or mixed reality, depending how you want to call it. There's some discussion over there. But anyway, not virtual reality in the sense that you're not completely enclosed in this visor mm-hmm. or helmet, but it's a sort of see-through. So you're supposed to see the room around and then uh, the software adds something digital on top of yeah. it. And uh, well, it's kind of big, big news that Apple decided to to commercialize this also because the price tag is very high. It's like three and a half K. So <laughs> very, very expensive uh, Christmas present. No, thank and, you. And uh, yeah, but uh, well, but it looks impressive. It does, it does, and it it's kind of, in my opinion, a sort of let's publish this out now, even if it's so expensive. It's like the best we can do with an augmented reality product, and let's see how it goes. And maybe from there they'll build some smaller models and something. More yeah, to the, the, the device. The device is called Apple Vision Pro. So yes. there should, and uh, you also have MacBook Pro, and you even have an iPhone Pro. Mm-hmm. But that's always the higher end model. So maybe in the future they will just release an Apple Vision without a Pro, and maybe that's, that's right. cheaper. Uh, also, I remember when they released the iPad, it was also really expensive. Three and a half k, still flawed. Three and a half k. That's not yes. expensive. That, that's extortionate. But it's only for me. Only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but I, it's, it's really like really this. Top uh, of the tech. Th- it's top of the tech, but it's also uh, they sell it. At, uh, I don't know if it's if it's true, but they sell it as a whole replacement of your desktop computer. So you don't have to have a PC anymore. You don't have to have screens anymore because obviously you see them before you. And you have infinite amount of screens. So if you're like a power user and maybe don't have place for a desktop PC with, with, with screens, then you this could be a, a great alternative, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. If you buy an expensive Mac and an expensive Apple screen, then you will probably spend more yeah, than that. So. I think that this is definitely targeted at people with plenty of disposable cash and uh, tech enthusiasts. But it's exactly what you say that Apple didn't seem to really mention even gaming much about this device. But uh, the message there was much more like with this, you're going to do everything that you do with your laptop, with your phone, the smartphone, obviously, and everything, only just in a glorified way. And uh, so you can sit on your sofa or move around your house and in the meantime, do everything you do with your normal digital devices. 
probably not not playing a game yet. Mm. Remains to be seen. But, uh, Remains to be seen. Yeah, I think the only catch with it might be the battery because uh, it's separate from the device itself, and this was very likely a choice to make the whole uh, device on your head as light as possible. Mm. So you're still probably going to have to carry the battery in your hands, tethered by a cable to the helmet. Well, overall, I think that that's... Uh, I've read some early reviews of this because they demoed it at some event. And, uh, well, it really looks like they put everything they know about doing this sort of device to the maximum to deliver the, the best thing they can and didn't really care about how much was going to be the final price tag. And uh, But I, I think I, I really like the idea. I, I think we talked about this yeah. before, that I, I always thought that uh, this uh, augmented reality, even more than virtual reality, can be potentially very useful. And I'm not exactly sure how this one works because I think it might not exactly be transparent but rather it probably has onboard cameras that they make you see through it as if it was transparent but it's not really yeah yeah, I'm sure it is Uh, it it works like that because Mm -hmm. it also has a screen on the outside to show your eyes to to -hmm. people uh, who are outside of the, your world at yes. that moment so they can still see you yes. somehow but it's so crazy, it's not it's stuff. not exactly a futuristic semi-transparent glass that can also project somehow pictures on it it's kind of emulated in a sense but mm. you you see it through so there's no danger of bumping into something or someone if you're walking while using it and they can see your eyes so to to know that you are alive still (laughs) (laughs) and i think it has also a way to detect your eyes movement eye tracking yeah so that if you see if you visualize a sort of desktop it knows where you're looking at and then you can uh, with your fingers you can say for example grab this program icon and move it around and open this folder or start this program like that just by looking and doing something with your hands but um, so that for me screams oh people go, oh my eyes are so tired i've got oh, really muscly eyes or or and then i think <laughs> imagine all those people like me that take a break put the my glasses on my head and then i just go eh, and the glasses on the floor and 3.5k <laughs> gone. yeah right but uh, it, i mean it's it's a step forward so i think that um uh, I'm I'm quite interested in seeing where where does this go. Probably in a year of or or two, we'll see either that uh, they didn't follow through and still delay everything by five more years, or maybe we'll get a spin-off, cheaper version of it or something like yeah. that. Yeah, oh, the time will tell. Do you have any other news? Uh, um, well, I've read an, an interesting article. I think it was on BBC about storage devices disposal it was about a company that basically refurbishes or sanitizes storage devices uh, hard drives rotors and things like Mm. that that uh, are being decommissioned by for example large data centers yeah yeah 
And it was kind of sad news because, well, it basically said that this company estimates that 90% of the hard drives are just destroyed after five years of use because that's typical warranty of those devices. So data centers uh, usually don't want to risk anything happening during the use of this. And when the warranty expires, it's easier to just destroy all of them, even if they could work for another 10 years. Mm, yeah. And uh, the main reason is, of course, security, because there is data written on these devices. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually these companies have zero risk policies. So you really don't want even one in a million drive to end up with some sensitive data left on it. So they just destroy everything, which is, of course, a huge waste, a huge trash problem also and um i don't like it at all obviously and the (laughs) irony of this is that shredding these devices isn't even that secure because oh wow if someone would really want to and knew where these are getting disposed they could pick even a fragment that's just a few squared millimeters and uh, try to recover the data from that. It's obviously complicated, but some professional can do it. So that article suggested various methods to deal with your own. In a volcano. I wanted to to ask the two of you, how do you manage when you have like an old hard drive and like it's, it's old and it's small and so you, you just, don't need it anymore but how do you dispose of it usually i, I don't dispose it i just put it in a box and uh, <laughs> forget the attic and uh, i have like yeah. a box full of uh, <laughs> hard disks but i i've watched the show um, mr robot and do you i know, know it but i haven't watched it i know what it is i started but I never watched oh, it. oh uh, i think he does uh, drill holes in uh, in his hard drive and then uh, microwaves it but uh, <laughs> i don't know if that's a good uh, solution yeah. to destroy everything well well i, I think that uh, the article suggested that the most extreme method is indeed melting it or incinerate it so that then you really can't recover anything from it not yet but of course you can't also you can't also well use even the the materials or the parts of this you can't you can't recycle anything at all but um yeah i i also do that i also store them for ages but uh, i i also had this uh, little method a long time ago. I don't know how secure it really is, but basically, well, obviously format everything, but then also fill it up again with the data. Just copy paste some big file, whatever it is, and until it's full again, so that mm. if there's anything really left over, it gets rewritten by something else. Not a hundred percent sure, but I was thinking overwriting the data with uh, something that anyway it's not really useful is is an idea to make to make sure that isn't there when uh, when i go to my uh, f- format option in my on my mac for example you can also choose to format it like 10 times or something so i think i, sh- I assume it does something like that so it 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 uh, erases everything and then uh put something on there and then erase it again. I don't know. It's like a deep erase. On the Mac? 
it's a, <coughs> I a think Mac. so, yeah. Okay, well, I've, I I don't have a Mac, so I've never seen this option before. But there's there's usually some hard format that you can choose. But I still think that I tried that in the past and then uh, used some software to analyze what was left. And I did find like partial files somehow mm. still there. So can't escape. I think that actually the what the article suggested as the best possible way is a sort of uh, cryptographic arrays that takes much less time than overwriting all the files. And uh, well, but basically, if you start off with a drive that has built-in encryption, then all you need to do is really delete the encryption key. And then the data is still there, but nobody's ever going to guess what was uh, the encryption key. Reminds, it's just impossible. Reminds me of those uh, crazy uh, Bitcoin stories of people who have like 10,000 Bitcoins on an encrypted uh, hard drive without having the code or something mm -hmm. <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah that's, that, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's probably those, also not true. <laughs> but, but at least those, those companies should really should really use these methods because for us it, it's maybe a hard drive every now and then and of course there's private data and there might still be passwords or something like that stored there mm -hmm. but for uh, uh, big data centers it's uh yeah, it's, just it's really the bad encryption. i think it, it mentioned that there was at least one data center management companies that had 5 million drives to be destroyed. That's a, just a single customer. <laughs> oh my God. Whoa. 5 million drives. Like, what a waste. Yeah, de definitely. They, they, should, they should really have refurbished them and, and sell them over mm. or even give them away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe I just thought you could have a key and pair the platters with the with a casing and then they just swap them and they won't read anymore. I don't know, something like that. Oh, you mean a uh, hardware? Yes, yes. I don't know. Is it Dongle or something just like that? Yes, the idea. Okay, so let's move on swiftly. I have got uh, three news, uh, news items and not, uh, mine are going to be relatively quick. So Starfield is here. It's not is here. Wait, wait, don't run. <laughs> uh, Starfield is not here, but it's coming and uh, they are releasing a new headset for it, which looks really amazing, but it is indeed another headset and that's it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it's got some patterns on it and it's got a uh, red, red and white uh, color colored scheme and it looks nice but it is very very expensive so if you're a fan and and really like uh, bethesda stuff like fallout and really can't wait for starfield to come and you want to buy the controller before you find out if the game's good or not then there you go you have an <laughs> option <laughs> and that, re that reminds me of uh, cyberpunk <laughs> yes they even made it like a uh, cyberpunk xbox one and yeah in the end uh, Cyberpunk didn't even run <laughs> on Xbox One. Come on, that's ridiculous. Like the, something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff going on. I, I think my friend of mine, he bought the collector's edition of, um, of Cyberpunk as well. Those things cost a lot of money. Anyways, uh, this Xbox wireless controller for the Starfield edition cost about £70, just the controller. It, but it's just the same. It just 
you know, as another controller, it's just the outside shell. And there is also um, a pair of headphones as well that you can buy for probably the same price. So it ends up costing you a lot of money if you want themed stuff in that respect. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, this is a bit of an old one instead. So um, a developer, I think uh, his name was John Lay, has decided to remake uh, on the Game Boy uh, an old Zelda game that was initially made for the CDI from Philips. So it's a good time to go and have a look at, at that. I think it's called The Secret... Uh, no, sorry, Zelda's Adventure. And the history is too long, really, to go through here, but the history of this game is quite funny as there was... Um, a couple of ally unlikely alliances created to make this game. So I think it was... When, you mean why, why Zelda is on CDI? Mm, yes, how Zelda got on CDI. Oh, yeah. Uh, first, uh, Nintendo had a partnership to make the new CD-based Nintendo with Sony. Mm -hmm. That's very bizarre, isn't In it? In the end, uh, they, they changed, like, Sony went to do his own thing, the PlayStation, of course, and they changed, uh, um, Nintendo changed to Philips to develop their CD-based platform. But that CD-based platform never released on uh, for Nintendo. So uh, Philips got some kind of license to do some Zelda and Mario games for their platform because of it. And that's why there's Mario and Zelda games on the CDI. And what I've heard, they're all... Quite yeah, yeah, they're pretty bad. Um, so there's all the story on Kotaku. We'll put the obviously the link in the show notes so you can go and read it and entertain yourselves. But this game that's been made by John Lay uh, seems to be much better than those games, and obviously made it in your what's it called Game Boy Studio <laughs> again. So, again, yeah. Apparently, it's quite easy to yeah. make games in Game Boy Studio. Maybe we should check <laughs> yes. it out because there's so many games going going out of that. Uh, Software, yeah. So go and check that out if you if you like Zelda and uh, you've uh, you've got a Game Boy or even if you're just curious, go and check it out. I think it's on the itch page of this guy John Lay, so you can find it on itch. We'll we'll put a link to that as well. Um, you can play it in the browser. You can download it. I think it's free. Uh, no, sorry. It's, well, it is free. It's name your own price. So there you go. And hopefully it's still available when this episode yes. releases. And Nintendo didn't do a cap copyright well, strike. <laughs> hopefully not. But um, we'll see. And lastly, uh, but not least, in fact, this is quite, quite bleeding edge. So this news is relatively new. And I'm pretty happy that I have spotted it. There's a thing for you guys who, and me, myself as well, so I've got an original Xbox, so this is more retro-oriented as well. Uh, if you want to play um, some backup copies of your game, you can do so with now a thing called Project Stellar. And it's probably the definitive way of playing these games. It's a very simple mod you put on your Xbox, your original Xbox. And it works in tandem with uh, the Xbox HDMI from megahertz, if, make megahertz, sorry, if you have it. If you don't, then it uh, it works by itself. And it's basically its own operating system inside the Xbox. Uh, and it is apparently, I've watched a couple of videos on this and I was really struck and really interesting. It's got also a small display on the top, so you 
I don't know what it displays, but it looks very neat. It's very polished. So when you mod your Xbox, it looks like really pristine and lovely. But this goes inside your yes. Xbox and it has a display. Yes. So <laughs> when do you see that display? I don't know. There are probably the pos there is probably the possibility of uh, transferring the display outside because there are some mods from the Xbox that are that can have like a, an external display. I'm not sure. Uh, I have to look a bit more into this. Um, I might get it, but as usual, uh, all this stuff is so expensive. So this board is so small. It has one or two chips on it, 100 pounds. And I'm, oh. hmm. And then if you get the Make Megahertz HDMI mod for the original Xbox, it's another 100 pounds, if not more, I don't remember. And I mean, it kind of costs you a lot of money just to make these mods. Yeah, but there's also a lot of research and development. And if you say there's a lot of, there's even, there's an FPGA chip in yes, there, I see. Yes, So that's also it's expensive. expensive. But uh, I so, still, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm very tempted to get it one day because it's so expensive for me. And um, I do want a solution to do my Xbox shenanigans somehow. And this seems to be the better option. Uh, and you, it also updates via web, so you don't even have to take it out anymore. So it just the firmware updates mm. your Wi-Fi or via via internet connection, let's say. But but Andy, it's it's only a hundred dollars. If you buy this, you never have to buy an Xbox game anymore. I can only play my <laughs> backup copies. I can't. I have to buy. Uh, sorry, did you say this is for Xbox One or Xbox? For the original Xbox, the black one. Okay, okay. The first one that ever came out, Dead or Alive. Oh. The Xbox original. The, the, the one that your friend Guido, I think, had. There you go. When we went to the mountain retreat. <laughs> so we are allowed to consider these uh, retro already. Well, I suppose. Well, if it's not retro, then I'm very young. So that's good. <laughs> okay. So I think we've exhausted all this. We have a couple of emails, I think, this week. Um, let's Let's read them. Uh, okay, I can read, pick one and read it. I'll read an email from Lizzie Comet. Hey guys, great show. Well, thank you, of course. We all, with all the blooming games these days, do you reckon folks actually bother playing different difficulties when given the option? Personally, I'm chuffed just to finish the game and move on. Heck, my backlog's bigger than Big Ben. How about you? Do you take the plunge and give different difficulties a go, or do you find yourself in the same boat as me? Who goes first? You go, I go first. first. <laughs> I go first. Uh, okay, Lizzie, I must say that personally I have the tendency to just go for the hardest difficulty straight away in almost every game, and then really? wow. back off a bit only if it's, if it's too much for me. Well, maybe the very first time I try to play a game, not immediately on the first day, but quite soon afterwards, I just want the most difficult options if the game has many. But that's, that's just me. What about you, Wido? Hmm. I always pick the normal difficulty and uh, just a medium skill or something and play through it. And if I like the game so, so much that I want to play it again, then I'll play it on harder modes. But... Like like you, I have a crazy big backlog and most of the time the game isn't worth it to play it another time. Uh, I'd rather play something else. But I feel like the normal mode is the the mode which is designed 
as the normal mode <laughs> for, for the normal people <laughs> by the designers. So, so yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I, I sometimes I think uh, hard mode is just extra enemies, for example, and it doesn't add to the fun for me. I just want to have a nice experience. And I even drop down uh, in difficulty if it's too hard. Uh, I just want to finish the game. I just want to see that credits roll. <laughs> and then uh, we'll see you later. Maybe when I get better, then I'll play it maybe again. But, but if, if there are achievements Any. attached to it, would you play them again? Ooh, that's a different question. I know, question. I'm asking that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. If I really love the game, I want 100% achievements. But most of the time, no. Most of the time, I just play the game once and yeah, that's same, it. Same here. I mean, I, so for example, I played recently, I did say StarCraft 2, and I tried to play it not on Brutal because that is absolutely impossible, but for me, but on Hard, I think. And I kind of managed, but then, then that was a game that I wanted to play on a harder difficulty because I thought I was good, but I'm not good. <laughs> so then I had to turn it down in certain conditions <laughs> and... But I don't think I will ever go back and play them again. Same as you, too many games. I play them once and that's it, I think. I really... Yeah, but for example, Quake, I'm I'm playing uh, on Nightmare Mode for uh, now. I'm playing through the game in, ni in Nightmare Mode because I, I know that game so well. And yeah. It's, it's not even that hard for me in Nightmare yeah, Mode yeah, yeah. <laughs> anymore. So I must say, you are, you are now talking about games that I don't even usually touch. But uh, uh, when it comes to Blizzard games, okay, you know, if you mean Blizzard games, then definitely I play them only in uh, the normal mode because they make really, really hard advanced mode, in my mm. opinion. Yeah, yeah, I see in some videos. So it obviously depends on the kind of games you like, but I'm just thinking about games that happen to have some additional challenges or sometimes even uh, additional levels perhaps in uh, the hard mode so that whatever it is called, the hardest option, if it's more like complete experience of the game, I like to start from that and then go backwards. But... No, no, I would never do that with Blizzard games. I, I, I can't manage much more than the, the, the normally recommended level with those. Yeah, yeah, if they become very difficult. But I suppose there's loads of games like that, and um, and yeah, I, I'm a bit like Rido. I just want to see the credits roll, and I've, it's nearly like uh, okay, done this game. Next, done this game. Next, some I tried to go again like again I said starcraft there's some more that i i would play probably but um generally speaking i don't have the time even to play the games i want to play so <laughs> there you go i actually prefer games without skill uh difficulty but um there's a lot of games for example mario odyssey for example you you can get the credits but then you only have 150 moons yeah. or something for of the 800 and you can, after the credits, you can challenge yourself with difficulty, dif more difficult challenges, and the game just continues. Uh, that game I played, Death Door. Oh, yes. It's also, when you finish that game, there's also, you can do more in the game than just what you did in the main storyline, and, and it will be more challenging. So those, I often 
try at least to if i really love the game and you just want to continue playing and then you get just new challenges and i think that's the best way to do difficulty uh, nowadays mm. and i think a lot of newer newer games you don't see difficulty selection anymore thank god for that but also because it gives you that that idea that that feeling that you've missed out on something and you really don't want to yeah but also that you're that you're a loser <laughs> playing on easy no <laughs> uh, well we're, we're not losers no. it doesn't feel it doesn't feel good to play a game on easy mm, right i just sometimes i select easy and i think oh i'm selecting easy oh well <laughs> what if i became uh, yes i just have to do that otherwise i'm never gonna finish it <laughs> anyway let's continue on to our second email from batons 92 yeah batons hello batons hey batons hey got a quick question for you do game generations and ips apply to modern retro you know in today's games like Assassin's Creed and Mass Effect, they span across generations of machines. But here's the kicker. What about retro gaming? No hardware change, but can it transpose to next machine up, like NES to SNES, for instance? Thanks. Mm. Mm. So I had to read this email uh, twice. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to uh, also I had to. Uh, but what what he means is that uh, a follow up, following or a sequel for, of a homebrew game goes to a newer platform, something like that. So, for example, if you have Wiz and Witch and Wiz, it's mm. on the NES, and then the follow up Witch and Wiz two should be on the SNES. For example, I think we used to see something like that yeah. in the 90s, 80s, 90s. It was like that, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like Sonic on the the first Sonic the Hedgehog was on the was on the Mega Sega. Drive. No, but it might be that uh, um, I'm not completely sure. Did it first come out on the Sega Master System, and then quite no, soon no, afterwards it, they released the Mega Drive, and then it was. I think it was Mega Drive first. Oh, okay. So they just made it. Also for make, the master system afterwards. They make they made the D made D make. Okay. okay. <laughs> but uh, well, to answer the question, I think it's difficult that this would happen on modern retro because I think nowadays most programmers probably focus on one machine and program for that machine and. Uh, when the games are good, they tend to be made to be ported also to other machines. So there's no obvious generation anymore in a sense that someone wants to make a game on NES and then make uh, the, the second episode of that game. I think they're going to make it again for the NES. Yeah, and, but then both so might be ported to the Super NES or something like that. I, I don't see anything like I think I think the change to an to a newer system is just too much work because you probably also you already have the knowledge and the engine for the NES yeah lying around so and then why why should you change to the SNES only yes. to get better graphics but maybe you could yeah, also change something to what something I meant else is that I think most programmers probably either nowadays focus on one machine they really love and it doesn't matter if it's 
first, second, or third generation, if they are modern retro game designers, they pick the one they like. Mm. And uh, then they probably focus almost entirely on that. Or, it's already old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so why it doesn't you matter. To go yeah, to so you have yeah. to move on to the next. But then, of course, there's porting. There's lots of porting of games from one to the other. Uh, but again, that can happen also in, in the backwards direction. So there are demakes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's it's a good question, but I think that I don't expect personally modern uh, game designers to develop a series of games on different machines in order of time. So they, they might just even make first a game on the Super NES and then decide that the next game of that IP, uh, they want to do it on the more basic NES because of whatever preference they have in programming. Yeah, I mean, I my, my little take on this is, I think I agree with you too. So NES, you get your game, say Full Quiet, oh, beautiful game, oh, so good. Oh. Then, though, as we do said in fact before, then, oh, let's say they want to add the reason not only better graphics, we, we, so you have more colors, you also have more sprites, more speed on the processor, you could do more things, you could have a bigger inventory, you know, you could have more areas, a better map or something like that, or, you know, so there's lots of improvements they could do, but in order to do so, they have to learn a completely new set of instructions and machine, like Rita was saying, they have to, there's a big, big, steep curve. Well, probably once upon a time, there was a team that did NES and another team that did SNES stuff. And then when the time came, they just gave the game to the team that already knew the framework of the SNES, for example. And then mm. they just did it because they knew how to do it. There was no learning curve, nothing. And they just implemented, uh, again, new de- new designs, as in new graphics, better sprites with more colors, stuff like that, that probably need to be And there was obviously, of course, a lot of pressure to just move to the latest yes, console. Yes. Yeah. So. But so having said that, I wouldn't mind this happening like if they had let's say a game uh, on i don't know um but yeah for, full quiet is a perfect example if they had a game like that transposed full quiet 2 but on the snes it would be like <gasps> amazing because it would have the same gameplay or better it, it would have the same graphics or better it would have you know it, it would just all be a better version because it's more of a capable machine so i think it would be pretty cool if they did it but yeah, I don't think yeah, they, of course. they will. But it doesn't even have to be the same brand of console. It should maybe yeah. they could go to the Sega Genesis yeah, yeah. or even the Neo Geo or something like that. That would be quite cool. I think uh, didn't uh, Xeno Crisis did that? They started Yeah, as but then it's just a port. They didn't do Xeno Crisis 2. Yeah, that's so they true. They ported it to different platforms. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, would, would be, be cool. cool. Hopefully we'll see that in the future. That would be amazing, <laughs> but who knows? Right, I think we uh, do a recap, if I'm correct. Let's see. Uh, Diego um, brought Steve Dor for MSX. Uh, I brought Tapeworm Disco Puzzle for the NES. And Andy just uh, quickly brought Traumatorium for the Game Boy and Esther Bros for the Mega Drive. 
Okay, so before we close, thank you for sending us the emails. Game at uh, newgameoldflame.com is where you can send them. You can find us on Discord as well. Just remember that. Now, before we close and we put this podcast away, the last Did You Know? So the Italian version of Curse of Monkey Island doesn't have the song called The Pirate I Was Meant To Be due to translation issues. So it was translated to Italian, but it obviously didn't sound very good at all. So they just eliminated a very useful piece of information before we say goodbye. That's it for us. The podcast is over and we'll see you very, very soon again. Thank you for listening and have a great evening. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye.